Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Weekend Mornings on Money FM. Glenn Van Zutphen with you up until noon today with Neil Humphreys in the studio. And so glad you could be with us on uh, part of your weekend. Hope you got a cup of coffee. We've got a really interesting guest in the studio now, Mary Walsh, who is the MD at Walt Disney Animation Research Library, also called the ARL. Mary, good morning. Welcome to uh, welcome to Singapore. Good morning. Thanks for me have, uh, letting me be here today. I'm really enjoying my visit. I'm very excited to talk about this new art exhibition we're yeah. mounting. Well, that's fantastic. And I know you are usually based in Southern California, so we're all concerned about the fires and all that stuff happening back there today. Uh, so we're glad you're here. Nice and safe in a very wet, hot place that we don't have to worry about forest fires. Yes. Or brush Appreciate fires. that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Mary, talk to us about the uh, Walt Disney Animation Research Library in California. What what do you do? What, what is it all about? So the Animation Research Library is the repository for all the original artwork created for the Walt Disney Animation animated films, both the shorts and the feature-length films from the 1920s until present day. Wow. So we estimate we have over 65 million pieces of physical art in our collection. Oh, my gosh. Think about 96 years of animation. That is extraordinary. Uh, Frozen 2, which is the film that comes out in a month, is our 58th feature-length film. We have over 500 short films in our canon. Mm. And from a hand-drawn traditional animation production yeah. schedule – takes thousands, if not millions, of pieces of individual drawing to create one feature-length film. Does this go back to sort of the Steamboat Willie-type exactly. animation yeah. that's so famous? Yep. So Steamboat Willie is one of the some of the oldest pieces in our collection, and we have a couple pieces of those in the exhibition today Wonderful. at Art Science. Well, wow. I was going to say, I mean, I was just telling my wife yesterday that I was meeting you. Now, my wife has collected Disneyana for 30 years. I must put this into context, Mary. We went down the aisle when we got married to uh, feed the birds for Mary Poppins. We had our <laughs> honeymoon great. at Disneyland in Paris. We've been to every Disney theme park in the world except Tokyo. We're going next year. So, And, she, and we collect some cells and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. When I told her that you are in charge mm. of 65 million pieces. She mm. said, well, can she steal some? <laughs> can she bring some in? So this is the way the Humphreys family rolls, okay, by the well, way. Okay, well, I appreciate the fact that you love Disney and your wife in particular, yeah, I so happy. I am very much gratified by that enthusiasm. But no, I cannot steal the artwork. Okay. I would rightly so lose my job. Of course. But so, for the benefit of our yeah. listeners, what are the, I mean, Steamboat Willie would be the obvious one, Snow White, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. What would be some of the most treasured, precious pieces that you'd have to look after? So it's interesting. I get that question a lot with Mm. what I do. And I kind of turn it around in saying that because we are lucky enough, and Walt Disney actually started this collection, he saw the value of keeping the original Mm. artwork Mm. from an artistic inspiration, education, reference, research point of view. There was also a business application from a cleanup animation. You could recycle or reuse some of those um, walk cycles or run cycles, especially in the early days of the shorts. They would reuse some of that animation. But what's the price of artistic inspiration if somebody can go back to a piece of art, maybe from the 1940s when we were doing some development on a Hans Christian Andersen biography? That film never came about, but they did some concept drawings for what could have been Little Mermaid. Wow. Hmm. The filmmakers for Little Mermaid from 1989 knew about that art because as young artists coming into Walt Disney Animation Studios, they had access to the art at the Animation Research Library. So they knew that art existed, so they pulled it out. It was the piece, we have two pieces in the show um, at Art Science 
from a Danish artist by the name of Kai Nielsen. And those were little beautiful concept pieces. They knew about that art. They had their artists come and look at it. And that sparked inspiration for what the look of The Little Mermaid is that we saw when it was released oh, in 1989. Oh, uh, so 40, 40 plus years later, that artwork inspired other artists to create you know, what is – were known as a film that really sparked the Disney animation renaissance um, from the 1990s. I was just going to say that. Yeah, they, they, they consider that late 80s, early 90s period in Disney animation is like a, another golden age, don't Correct. they, of animation. And they mm-hmm. were being inspired by mm-hmm. the original Disney pioneers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mary, where, where do you keep all of this 65 so, million pieces? That's of, a great question. Mm-hmm. We actually have, if you went backstage to any world-class museum that has a collection of works on paper similar to what we do, mm-hmm. we have the same kind of environment. We have very strict uh, temperature and humidity controls for the art. We have many, many climate-controlled vaults, a very secure system. Our building is not open to the public. The collection is only available to members of the Walt Disney Company. Mm-hmm. But the way to share that artwork with the public is through this exhibition program that we're doing, oh. which is really exciting because we get to take works of art to Disney fans and art lovers around the world who wouldn't be able to see it otherwise. So tell us what will people see at the Art Science Museum and how long is that going, uh, by the way? That- so it opens officially today. Yeah. Um, it's going to stay open through, I believe, March 29th of 2020. Mm. So you have a good long time to see it once or maybe many times. Mm. (laughs) And it's really a great kind of step through Disney legacy in time. We start with the late 1920s. Like I said earlier, we have some showcased artwork from Steamboat Willie playing Crazy, which is also an early Mickey Mouse short. Mm. Then we go into Snow White. There's artwork from Pinocchio, from Dumbo, from Fantasia, Saludos Amigos. Then we go into the 1950s and 1960s from Alice in Wonderland and Sleeping Beauty and 101 Dalmatians and Jungle Book. Then we go into the 1980s and 1990s with that renaissance that we talked about. Mm. And then we end with our most current films from the last decade or so. And one thing that's really special and unique in Singapore is our filmmakers on Frozen 2 allowed us to actually showcase some artwork from that film that hasn't been released yet. Wow. We have never had that opportunity before. And I think it's a testament to the support we get from our senior executive team as well as our filmmakers yeah. that how important this exhibition program is because mm-hmm. it really does showcase what their artists do day in and day out. Mm. So that's really exciting. We've never done that before. So it's the first time in Singapore. So you're mm. going to have an opportunity to see some of that artwork a month before the film comes out. Is it all a print or cells or is there any video in, involved both. or what? We have all kinds of media from that perspective, and it's really to showcase the art of animation. So we're really trying to make the viewer understand that when they're in a movie theater and they're looking at this beautiful film and it impacts them emotionally, that it's all with the hands of an artist behind it. Mm. Whether the tool is a pencil and paper, like from the 1920s and 30s, or currently with our computer-generated artwork, there's artists behind every single piece of art that you see there. So Singaporeans will see the, the evolution, not only of, of Disney's history, but also of, of each movie, Correct. right? From the first hand-drawn mm-hmm. sketch until the final print. Correct. And then also as you go through the decades, which is re- another reason why we set it up the way we did, is you can see the different artistic styles mm. from decade to decade. Because, again... All these films are created by artists, and so as artists, they're looking at the world around them, and they take that design aesthetic and what's going on in their culture and bring it back into the art they're making in support of the stories we're telling in the films. That's what I was going to ask you. You'd be the best person to ask about this, and there's no magical answer to this, but what is it about Disney animation that allows it to endure? You mentioned there's so many different styles, Mm -hmm. so many different genres, 
and yet everybody's excited for Frozen 2. When I saw Frozen, you know, a jaded, cynical curmudgeon, as Glenn calls me, <laughs> he I is, he really is. My, he doesn't seem that way no, now. So it's, a, it's a ruse. It's a total, <laughs> it's all it's a ruse. total I'm ruse. I'm very passionate about Disney. I <laughs> cried my eyes out watching Frozen as a yeah. cynical 40-year-old man. What is it? that Disney has that magical thing that in their animation that from Steamboat Willie to Frozen 2 still endures, still captures the imagination? I think there's a couple things. The most important being that it's the commitment to great storytelling. The mm. filmmakers want to tell stories mm. that people mm. around the world, we have a global audience. I would argue we've always had a global audience, that it's great stories with appealing characters in believable worlds. Mm. You want to be able to suspend disbelief and the attention and quality to detail one of the things I point out in my tours here, because we have elements of all different aspects of an animated film, but take effects animation, for example. When effects animation is done really, really well, it supports the story. When mm. it's not done well, you as an audience member going, I'm not sure what that looks like and why that is. But we have a video clip from Fantasia. So Fantasia 1940, eight different segments, wonderful pieces of music. And from the Rite of Spring, there was the lava fields and the volcano exploding. There's a piece of video of the effects animators with Walt narrating. They couldn't go to a lava field to actually research and figure it out. So they created one in the studio. They had big tubs and they put mud in it Hmm. and they colored the mud and they put air in it so they could see the bubbles come up. They have a timing chart of how long it takes for a bubble to reach its climax (laughs) and then pop. And then all the concept artwork associated with that is on the wall next to you. So it really makes the connection between the artist's integrity, what they're thinking about, the research they do, the drawings that are created, and then how that flows into the film and supports the storytelling. Right. And curating these 65 million pieces of art, have you, you haven't seen all of them, obviously. You've seen a good number. I'm not does, that old. No. Does it, does it give you a gr- an even greater appreciation of Walt Disney himself? It does, for sure, because at the very... I think the essence of Walt Disney, he was an artist first, so he understood that, and he was a great storyteller. Mm. He also understood as an artist, there were artists who were technically better than he was from a craftsmanship and a a drawing point of view, painterly style point of view, so he surrounded himself with great artists. And he was the one who set that standard, and we still do that today. So our filmmakers are going out into the world to find the best artists to help them tell their stories and realize it from a visual point of view. Animation's visual storytelling medium. So mm. you have to have great visuals in support of the story you're telling in order to keep those audiences sure. yeah. in the engaged. theater engaged and then coming back to them, like you said, time and time again. One of the early uh, – uh, in that golden era that you were talking about, a recent golden era of animation was Toy Story, of course. Mm-hmm. And I had the good fortune to um, interview John Lasseter mm-hmm. uh, in 91 or 92, whenever it came out. And I was uh, working in Japan at the time and he came through Japan to, to promote the film. And it was so amazing to me to just to sit and listen to him talk about the team and how the team came together and and how they, you know, were using, you know, more modern technology versus Mm -hmm. hand hand drawing Mm -hmm. the the individual cells and things. And it just it struck me what a really almost even more so than the early days of the animation, what, what a team effort the more modern animated films are. And of course, Toy Story was one of one of the earlier ones in this more recent generation Mm -hmm. that really kind of expanded not only the kids minds, but adults to watching some of these animated shorts that were, frankly, had subtexts in there that were great for adults mm-hmm. as well as for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that goes back to Walt Disney's 
um, commitment that we make films for all generations. Right. It's not just kids. It's not just adults. It's for a family experience. So anybody can watch a film and hopefully we'll take something out of it. I know I watch a film now when I was a kid and I watch them with my children. I get something different yeah. from it than I did as a child. And I watch my boys see it too. So it's really important. And that note you were talking about, it's truly a collaborative process. It takes hundreds of artists to create a feature-length film. It did back when we were making Pinocchio up through Dumbo to current day. And I think a lot of people misunderstand from a 3D computer generation point of view, oh, the computers do all the work. No, it's not true. The computer's the tool. It is the new tool. And I would also yeah. argue that Walt Disney, being on the forefront of innovation as well, too, always wanted to give his artists the best current tools to tell their stories. The multiplay camera was established at Walt Disney Animation mm. Studios. The Xerox camera was there. All of those things just continually progressed the development of our filmmaking process and also gave new tools to their, his artist to be more creative. I saw that camera, one of those cameras. I'm going to say it was at Paris Disneyland. It like, was in Paris. Where they have four or five different layers mm-hmm. of, of animated cells. So it gives almost this 3D effect. So you have the background, you have the characters running, you have. Mm-hmm. The, it's extraordinary. And, and you'll know this. I don't know how old that technology is, but it must have 1937. been. 1937. 1937, wow. they have these four layers of animated cells yeah. with the camera looking down from on top like yeah. a bird's eye view so it's animating all these different layers in real time it and is like, just the innovation and the, at that, yeah. in, the, in those days yeah. was just amazing and right? the platens in which the artwork rested went up and down and sideways so you could get a flyover like if you look at Pinocchio the sequence when Pinocchio is walking through the village with Honest John when mm. he should be going to school but he's not we have that clip <laughs> in the exhibition and it really details how the multiplane camera gave that immersive look to the viewer into the space in which the the um, characters were walking and acting up to that point it didn't exist animation's a flat 2D art form but yeah. that camera and the ability to move those platens up and down and sideways gives the viewer a feeling like oh the camera's free to fly around and do everything that we know today with computer generated imagery yeah. and with advancing camera technology that was 1937 when it was designed mm. and it also makes me laugh when they talk about seamless technology now of you look at Mary Poppins my daughter is very cynical as all children are 11 she can tell good CGI from bad CGI she has no problem with Dick Van Dyke and, and Julie Andrews dancing with the penguins in <laughs> Mary Poppins yep. that's 1964 5 yep. Yep. cutting edge technology even then and as an author myself I find it fascinating that you know, P.L. Travers could not see things within our own work mm-hmm. that that Disney and the animators mm-hmm. could see mm-hmm. and to take it mm-hmm. to that next level. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's yep. what Disney does best in its animation, don't it? Yeah, I agree. And to be inspired by all kinds of different stories. Sometimes our stories are original from the filmmakers themselves or they adapt from other materials already out there. And again, it's going back to what is the best story to tell and then what's the best way to do it? And then to go let those artists go create and do that what they're doing best. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. that supportive environment. It's Mary, really tell Tell us again about the Art Science Museum uh, exhibition and everybody knows where it is, but when and and all Mm -hmm. this. So the show opens today and it's going to be there through March 29th, 1920. We have over 500 pieces of art in the show. So give yourself plenty of time. It really takes us through the 1920s up until present day. At the very end, there's a really cool, immersive, physically manifested environment for Frozen 2 that you've never seen before. So that's quite an exciting thing as well, too. I think you're going to learn a lot about the process of animation. You're going to see a lot of beautiful artwork. Again, my hope is is that visitors are going to go. They're going to have some kind of connection to it because of the films they saw and they love. But then they're going to see a piece of artwork. 
and hopefully they'll connect to without that art, those films don't exist. Yeah. And without the artists behind it, those films don't exist. Perfect. I can't wait to see it. I genuinely I cannot wait it's to see it. Awesome. And I have one question, final question, that I know you're not going to answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Do you have a personal Disney favorite? Or you're not allowed to say? No, no, no. I can say what, you know, but really, so I have two boys. Right. And it's like asking which of my kids are my favorite. Exactly. <laughs> there are days when one I'd like better than the other because of behavior. <laughs> but for me, I approach the films, the mood that I'm in, maybe what I'm going through during that day. So I really don't have a favorite, but there's so much art in there. I have certain pieces in the collection that we have on display that I really love. There's a beautiful concept piece from Lion King, which is also in the um, exhibition mm. that is gorgeous. There are – what I one of the things I really like and hope people see concept art. So at the very early stage of creating an animated film, there are concept artists both designing characters and worlds where they get to blue sky think, what could this character look like? And those concepts – and they start to narrow down on the final design of the character – the public never gets to see those. We have lots of those in this exhibition. Mm. For example, they had at one point thought maybe Snow White could be a redhead. Mm. And that image is in the show. So there's just so many really beautiful nuggets of art. And they're all executed so exquisitely by yeah. the artists themselves that I don't want to say what my favorite is because art's very subjective, right? Sure. And depending on the mood you're in and what kind of experience you've had. So I want people to go and explain or explore and then come away thinking – wow, I really thought this was my favorite movie, but maybe this one is just because of this concept piece that I saw that I never expected to see. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mary Walsh, MD of the Walt Disney Animation Research Library in California. Thank you so much for coming on Weekend Mornings, and we'll see you over at the Art Science Museum. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.